Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmidt, Swanee and Clarkie visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right, how are we? Wonderful. Excellent, yes. For anyone just tuning in, the boys are recording from Buenos Aires (laughs) and it's very early in the morning for them and it's 10 o'clock at night for me, which would make it 7 o'clock for you, is it, Swanee? Yes, 10 past 7, that's right. So we are in three different time zones and I think it's Quite significantly now, yeah. Very, very different. You're doing well, Schmitty. Oh, it's all right. I'm just uh, the Energizer Bunny, as always. I suppose we should introduce ourselves. I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarkie. And together we are... Trial by Wine. Beautiful. And what are we drinking? Clarkie's had a few coffees, I can see I'm going to go straight to it, coffee. (laughs) (laughs) He's having another one. Swanee just held up, was it a mineral water? (laughs) Mineral water, yep. I just don't understand. It's 7 o'clock at night on a Saturday night, Swanee. Why there's no rose in your hand, I don't understand. I've moved on, however, to a gin and tonic. And this is predominantly because there was just one glass worth of tonic left in the bottle. And so I poured it out so I could give the empty bottle to the dog to play with to keep him quiet earlier. And so I just thought, I won't waste it. I'll just have a little G&T through this next episode. So that's me. And oh, cheeky one. Nice. Nice, nice, different, <laughs> unusual. Speaking of episodes and stories, whose story is it? You know, it's mine. It's mine. Oh, it's mine. It's, it's nice. Right. It's mine. Ooh, all right. Well, go for it. Yes, I have one. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> so I'm continuing the theme of uh, crimes from places I've been. Uh, so remember last time we did the Iceland. We could yes. be here all night. You've been everywhere, man. Mm, around the world. Oh, Absolutely. I'll tell you what, it's hard to remember where I am. But so this one is from when we were in Milan. Okay. So I'll tell you my for- my forces first. My okay. sources <laughs> first. It's uh, a very long list, and. I- and I need to let you know, so it's because there's a lot of bits and pieces I had to piece together to make this story and the translation was often not clear. So I've pieced it all together as best I possibly could from, you know, a snippet here and a snippet there. Remember, Swanee, you were talking about the dollar value being strange in your last story yes. with the amount that they defrauded? It changed a bit, yeah. The, f- the facts were like this in this story. So um, I just put it together in the best way that I possibly could from what I so understood. So just do a range of facts. It's exactly between right. Between this fact and that fact. <laughs> it's, it's little... You can just choose the fact you like. Yeah. Which is, which I'm is... giving you the source. Pick which one you like. Well, it's, it's kind of like that. I know. It's kind of like that because when you're doing financials, it's easier to give a range. When you're actually talking about facts with crimes, it's a lot harder, particularly when the details aren't clear. Anyway, mm-hmm. so my sources are Wikipedia, Reddit, napolike.it, churchiamodenice.it, designer women, life in Italy, Italian post, Union Sada, article by Marzio Pelu. I couldn't even find a proper link to that one. Acrimonia, Pledge Times, English News, Italy 24 Press News, mdpi.com, globalmissingkids.org, data.unhcr.org, globalhappenings.com, infomigrants.net, lifeinitaly.com and Facebook. That's quite extensive, Jules Verne. Well done. Mm, I don't know. Is Facebook a source? It took me a lot. Okay. Well, you know, Mm. it is. It is. Where do you find the time when you're travelling around the world? Well, it must be something to do with not having a job anymore. <laughs> planes and airports. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, mm. planes and airports are good. Yeah, yeah. Can I call you Jules oh. Verne? Do you mind? Anyway. <laughs> Around the world in 80 days? Sure, mm-hmm. you can call me whatever you like, darling. <laughs> yes, you can. I think we've been away for longer than 80 days already now. July, oh. August, September. So this is the story of Denise Pipitoni. 
a young Italian girl who went missing in 2004. Mm. It's a sad story of a lost child and how heavily it impacts the remaining victims, family mm. and others close to the child. The story has some complex relationships that play out as a result of the investigation. Yes. I'm going to need you to bring your A-grade humour to this one. And, and of course, there's also heavy media involvement. So if you haven't already, pour yourselves a drink, strap yourself in to your favourite chair and let's begin. So as I said, it's a story of um, a missing child. So I thought I'd start by sharing some stats on child abduction. Once you start looking into it, it's super prevalent. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. it's important to note that up front that the data can be really unreliable for a number of reasons. The varying definitions of a missing child, the way that things are recorded or reported, lots of them don't get reported. Very strange. So anyway, just a quick whip around the world uh, for the number of children that go missing. So in Australia, an estimated 20,000 children are reported missing every year. What? Which I found shocking. That's a lot. Whoa, I didn't think you were going to say that. Uh, in Canada, an estimated 45,288, very specific, children are reported missing each year. In Germany, an estimated 100,000 are reported missing each year. Sorry, with the Canadian ones, do you know how many of those are Indigenous? Because there are massive statistics around Indigenous children and women, crimes against women, etc. in Canada. No? Okay. Moving yeah, on. right. No, I don't. But, but, <laughs> but I mean, if Germany is 100,000, I think it's it's probably proportionate. India, mm. an estimated 96,000. Jamaica, 1,984. Um, in Russia, estimated 4,500. Yeah. What so is the that, definition yes. of a missing child? Does it have to be the report from straight from the moment it's been reported or you have to be missing for a period of time or what is the... What constitutes like a, 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 yeah, num- so, a recorded number? I guess it's different from one locality. So to another, these are these are estimated and they're reported, right? So okay. you, I guess it has to be reported for it to be included. And and I read in one of the articles that there was a whole thing. It might have been the UNHCR one. You know, charts everywhere of the number of people reported. So they're looking at something like a hundred and eleven phone lines and and the stats from the phone lines where okay. children are reported missing. So if you were reported so missing this morning and found in a couple of hours later, you'd still be counted in that? Yes. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. Yes. okay, cool. So, yeah, sorry, in Russia, an estimated 45,000. In Spain, an estimated 20,000. UK, an estimated 112,000. US, 460,000. And in Italy, so back to where our story comes from, they reckon that about 30 to 35 kids go missing each day which works out at 11,000. So Jesus. they're big numbers to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Importantly, I guess, you know, the, the, as I said, statistics on missing children are not even available in some countries. And even when they are, they can be inaccurate due to under-reporting, under-recognition, um, inflation of numbers, incorrect database entry of case information, and deletion of records once a case is closed. So in Italy, globalhappenings.com reports that approximately 70% of the children that go missing are foreigners and 30% are Italian nationals. And of the missing Italian children, 72% were found, whereas only 31% of the foreigners were found. So uh, whilst Italian minors who go missing often report family problems, cyberbullying and drug-related motives as reasons for their disappearance, foreign children and especially unaccompanied minors are often motivated by other factors, which usually involve migrating elsewhere. Foreign children are often harder to find as they often enter the country through irregular means which can then lead to them being placed in Italy's migrant hosting system from which they often escape. So it's it's quite a complex issue, as you can imagine. All children, however, face serious risks, including becoming victims of trafficking and exploitation. Uh, the International Centre for Missing and Exploited Children has numerous categories of missing children, including but not limited to um, endangered runaways, so where the child voluntarily leaves home without permission of his or her parents, or custodian, family abduction, the taking, keeping or concealment of one or more children by a parent, other family member or custodian, non-family abduction, the forcible and unauthorised taking of a child by someone other than a family member, lost, injured or otherwise missing, a child who has disappeared under circumstances that are unknown and difficult to determine, 
abandoned or unaccompanied child, a child who is not accompanied by an adult legally responsible for him or her, uh, including those travelling alone without custody permission. Those separated by an emergency, those in a refugee situation and those who have been abandoned or otherwise left without adult care. So you get the picture. Heaps of kids go missing each year for a whole range of reasons. Data is unreliable and there are huge challenges when it comes to finding missing children. Let's go back to Denise Pipitoni. So Denise was born on the 26th of October in 2000 and lived with her parents, Piera Maggio and Tony Pipitoni in Mazzara del Vallo in the Trapani area of Italy. So it's kind of a bit outside of Milan, but, but in that area of Italy. She was like any other child of the time, loved by her parents and living an uneventful life, you know, just, just completely normal. However, things would change for her on the 1st of September 2004. On that day, she was staying with her grandmother and playing with her cousins out the front of their home. Her cousins lived close to their grandmother's house and it was common for them to play in the street between the two houses. Their grandmother was preparing lunch for Denise whilst her aunt was preparing food for her cousins. At around 11.45am, Denise's aunt called the cousins in for lunch and Denise was left out the front of the quiet street in Via Labruno waiting for her grandmother to call her for lunch. Her aunt saw Denise start heading back to the grandmother's house. That was the last time she was seen. Mm. Denise's mother, Piera Maggio, was taking a computer course and learned of the incident around 12.30pm. News spread quickly and by 2pm the local media were reporting the case which quickly became a national story. Posters were put up in public places declaring Denise was missing and enlisting the help of the community to find her. So it all happened quickly. It wasn't one of those ones where someone goes missing and they wait 48 and no hours. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's know, very quick. Or, or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Super quick, right? Yeah. It, it was really quick. The family and police engaged in a relentless search for little Denise, desperate to find her. Dozens of tips were received. However, investigations did not produce any solid leads. However, on the 18th of October in 2004, Felice Greco, a security guard reported seeing a group of gypsies with children out the front of the Bank of Milan and that one of the children looked strikingly like Denise. Mm. He was so sure that it was her that he managed to stop the group for a moment and recorded some footage of the little girl on his phone. The video he captured revealed a woman referring to the little girl who looked like Denise as Denise and the little girl asked, where are you taking me, to the woman. Felice observed that the little girl had a scratch on her cheek, which is a mark that Denise had at the time, and furthermore, the accent of the little girl was similar to Sicilian, like that of those from the region of Mazzara del Vallo. The police were called, however, by the time they arrived and began searching the area for the little girl, the group were gone. The footage was later closely analysed by police and it revealed that the facial features of the girl had similarities with Denise and that there was a high likelihood that this was Denise. So it's pretty pretty incredible how quickly this happens, I think, and how thorough they are. And, and I think it's important to note that, that it wasn't, you know, that there's, for me there was nothing in this that seemed like the police did a shitty job or the you know, parents weren't super committed to finding her. So the story continued in the media and as we've seen in so many cases, the, the gossip and the rumours follow. So this put pressure on the relationship between Tony and Piera Questions were asked of what happened to Denise and rumours started surfacing questioning if Tony was the real father. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Let's jump back to 1999 when Tony Tony was working in Germany whilst his wife, Piera, lived at home Tony in Mazzara del Vallo with their eldest son, Ke- Kevin. And Tony Pipitoni. Tony Pipitoni. You know it. I love it. <laughs> Tony Pipitoni. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So Tony was unable to have children and the two decided to have a child via artificial insemination, which led to the birth of Kevin. They continued to try for a second child (laughs) whilst whilst Tony was travelling. Yeah, Kevin Pipitoni. Kevin. I feel like we've just moved yes. down the street from where we are now. Someone would be called Kevin Pipitoni. Are you seriously saying I'm there's sorry. some kid called yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Pipitoni? Yes. Neither of oh. you studied Patrick. Italian, did you? With the no. Avanti books. No. The Avanti books said Dario and Angela and Kevin. No. They did? Kevin, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Did they really? Yes, yes. Dario oh. is sempre in ritardo. I can't remember what Kevin Dario was. I get. Kevin? Not so much. I'm surprised. Dario was always yeah, late. Kevin. But I can't remember what I Kevin did. 
there was a Kevin in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Bloody Pivotoni. Angela Laura. We'll call him Kev. All the others were very Italian except for yeah, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. I think your Italian is very nice, Schmidty. Oh, thank you. One Good of answer. these kids is not like the, the other one. Kevin. <laughs> anyway, we shouldn't make fun of Kevin. Uh, oh. So we are. Uh, they continued we to, to try for a second child whilst Tony was travelling a lot for fun. I'm just saying back to the story. Okay. Oh, and, and the Kevin okay. who isn't. No offence, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Isn't material. Right. So <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> right. One day, whilst Tony was away in Germany, Piera's sister Giacoma introduced her to a friend of hers named Anna Corona. The two hit it off and became close friends. They spent lots of time together until Anna began to suspect that Piera may be a little closer to her husband Pietro Polizzi than she should have been. Mm. Could it be that they were having an affair behind the backs of their respective spouses, Anna and Tony? So Piera fell pregnant around the turn of the millennia and Denise was born later that year. Piera and Tony were overjoyed with the arrival of Denise. However, their marriage broke down as Tony was so often not home and the two separated. And Piera is quoted in one of the things as saying that it was a facade because he was always in Germany he came back a couple of times a year. She saw him a couple of times a year, but they really, you know, but they weren't living together. As Denise grew, Anna saw what she believed were obvious similarities between her husband Pietro and the daughter Denise. She began to suspect that Pietro was in fact the father, not Tony. This led to the breakdown of her marriage, and Anna and Pietro divorced. Their two children, Jessica and Alice, were convinced that this was the fault of Piera and developed a deep hatred of her. So just to go back, so Anna and Pietra had two children, Jessica and Alice, and then Denise is the child of um, Tony and Piera. Sorry, and go, so back Jessica to, and go, Alice, go back to the other couple. What were their names? Anna and Pietro. Anna and Pietro. Like, sorry, Pietro and Piera are confusing the shit out of me. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. Anna and Pietro uh, right. and Piera yes. and, Tony and Anthony. Okay, right. Got it. Right, right. Antonio. Just, just to share some of the challenges I had researching this, <laughs> they would often mix up the words her and him. So trying to work out who they were actually talking about was super challenging <laughs> when they would say, oh, they, you know, they didn't know that, this was her child when, in fact, they meant it was his child and it was really, right. really confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jessica and Alice blame Piera for the breakdown of their parents' marriage and they hate it. So Anna Corona and her daughter Jessica, who was 17 at the time of Denise's disappearance, reportedly threatened Piera and her sister Giacoma. So the sister Giacoma ran a herbalist shop and was myster- well, that was mysteriously destroyed by fire. And then another time, Piera discovered that her car's tyres had been slashed. Public insults occurred, including intimidation and curses, and police began to watch the two women closely. They deemed that they should conduct a search of Anna's house. However, when they turned up to search the home, Anna sneakily misled them by greeting them at her neighbour's house, which they looked through. That's a good scam, isn't it? Sounds like the people... to my house, which is really... Someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. She writes down notes. <laughs> Pretend you live somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Greet them next door. Yep. Oh, no, no, I'm over here. So police later discovered that Anna had met them at the wrong house, which they thought was very suspicious. Oh, you However, did so. Yeah, in the meantime, they discovered that Anna had a rock-solid alibi at the time of Denise's disappearance. She was working as a cleaner at a local hotel and was seen by many of her colleagues and her house was not subsequently searched as a result of that alibi. Her daughter, Jessica, however, did not have a rock-solid alibi on the day Mm. Denise disappeared. She stated that at 12pm on that day, she went to visit her mother at the hotel where she was working. So Denise goes missing at 11.45 roughly. At 12pm, she goes to visit the mum. But there's nothing to corroborate that. Jessica was investigated for kidnapping and her boyfriend, Gaspari Galeb, was alleged to have given false testimony and couldn't explain what he did on the day of Denise's disappearance. He said that he stayed asleep until half past 12 and didn't hear anyone even on the phone. But his telephone number was engaged in a conversation with Jessica Polizzi at 9.39am 
and subsequently at 10.21 of the same morning that Denise disappeared. Mm. So there's some shonky goings on. So police set up phone taps to try to find more evidence. At one point they recorded a call between Jessica and Alice, who were the two sisters. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was recorded on the day that Alice was to testify to the prosecutor's office. So the bit that they reported was Jessica says, when we were home, uh, mum killed Denise. Alice says, did mum kill Denise? (laughs) Jessica says, you mustn't talk talk about it. And Alice says, I know. (laughs) It's a very strange conversation. I like that Jessica says when we're don't at home, mum killed Denise, and then when Alice says, did mum kill Denise, don't talk about shush, it. Shush, shush, don't talk about it. It's a secret. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Stop it. <laughs> Union Sada reports that there was another intercepted phone call between Anna Corona and her daughter Alice in which Anna says, do you want to know who it was? It was Giuseppe and I. However, there is no context to the statement in the intercepted phone call. So there was nothing in the phone call that uh, says just ignore we're that then, right? Yeah, who ate Denise? No, no, no. The question was about yeah, who ate yeah. the leftover pizza from last yeah. night. It was Giuseppe and I. Yeah, correct. It was Giuseppe and I. And we'll get to who Giuseppe was shortly because he's a, a new character. According to another witness, Anna Corona also said the child's dead. Piera's heart must be burned. As in broken, not as in we're going to cut it out oh, and burn. All right. Just want to make that clear. And again, a bit, probably a bit of lost in translation. So all of these com- the conversations are super interesting and, and get you, I guess, um, get your mind going about what might have happened. But they don't provide any conclusive evidence to the disappearance of Denise. The Giuseppe that Anna may have been referring to in her conversation is Giuseppe Della Key who was another suspect in the investigation. So he is the nephew of Battista Della Key, who was a deaf-mute witness, and that's important. Mm-hmm. Battista, who is now deceased, had revealed that he had seen little Denise in a shed in Mazzara del Vallo in the arms of Giuseppe. According to Battista Della Key's story, the child was kidnapped and taken with a scooter to a pier wrapped in a blanket before being loaded onto a boat. Delakey's testimony was collected by the lawyer Giacomo Frazitta, uh, Denise's family lawyer, and it was bitterly contested by uh, the family members of Giuseppe because they said that Batista didn't know any sign language and that he would have just used gestures which were misinterpreted by the lawyer. So super sketchy and due to the poor translation of it all, it appears that Giuseppe was put to a magistrate. I couldn't really work this bit out, but but it appears he went before a magistrate to determine if he had been involved and he had the help of a consultant, which possibly is a, a lawyer, and he availed himself of the right not to answer. So, so the prosecutors were keen to solve the case and Je- Jessica was put on trial for the abduction of Denise. According to the prosecutors, Denise was abducted by Jessica with the complicity of her mother, Anna. Police also alleged that Jessica's ex-fiancé, Gaspare Galeb, was involved. The reason was revenge and jealousy because Denise and Jessica are daughters of the same father. And, of course, that split up the parents' marriage. You can kind of see a motive, maybe. I'm not sure you'd steal a child. I don't know. Steal a child or kill a child. I don't know about that. Yeah, okay. Jessica was charged with complicity in kidnapping a minor and was arraigned by the preliminary hearing judge of Masala on the 18th of January 2010. Uh, The first instance trial began on March the 16th, 2010, lasting for over three years. Goodness. The public prosecutor recommended the sentence of 15 years of imprisonment for child abduction, deeming her undoubtedly guilty due to a series of clear, unambiguous and convergent clues. That's that's what the prosecutor's recommending. According to the indictment, on the morning of September the 1st, 2004, Jessica took Denise to the home of Piero Polizzi to confirm that she was his daughter, but not finding him, handed the child to unidentified people. However, upon completion of the trial, Jessica was acquitted by the court on the 27th of June 2013 for, you guessed it, a lack of evidence. Mm. So the, that was appealed and on October the 2nd, 2015, um, she was again acquitted, rejecting the request for the sentence of 15 years of imprisonment. Prosecutor Scuduto, during her indictment, claimed that Jessica had taken part in the abduction of Denise and therefore should be found guilty. 
on the, on April the 19th, 2017, the Court of Cassation confirmed the final acquittal of Jessica Polizzi, but at the same time points to the existence of a valid and proven motive. At the end of the second degree trial, the statute of limitations intervened against the charges of the co-defendant, so they couldn't go any further. They also did an inquiry into Anna Corona, and that was closed by the investigating judge of Marsala on December the 13th. So there were several other sightings of Denise. There was one in 2008 on the um, island of Kos in Greece. So an Italian nurse on holiday on the Greek island of Kos said he saw a little girl who looked very much like Denise. The child was in the company of an Albanian woman who she claimed to be her mother. However, on September the 12th, 2008, a DNA test ruled out definitively that the child was Denise Pipitoni and confirmed her as the daughter. So it was a false sign. Oh, for God's sake. And the reason I'm telling you this is... How would you be? From the parents' point of view... But how would you be? You're just wandering around on the Greek island and suddenly someone's coming up demanding a DNA test of your <laughs> child. You know, like, what? Correct. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. What? And... <laughs> and also for the parents, you know, that, that would play out the false hope. fairly publicly, so bring it all back. So in 2021, 16 and a half years after Denise's disappearance, a 20-year-old woman appears on Russian TV. The program is called Let Them Talk, and she's on the program to tell her story in an attempt to find her family. Her name is Alicia Rostova, a name given to her by the Russian orphanage in which she grew up. She remembers nothing of her family nor her original name and she has no identification documents. She's the same age as Denise would be at the time. Denise was four when she was kidnapped and Alicia was about five years old when she was found in a Roma camp in Russia with a nomadic woman and placed in an orphanage. Alicia tells of her memories as a child of being kidnapped growing up with a Roma woman, a gypsy woman, um, who she believed was her mother and who leads her to beg. Alicia tells how she ended up in a Roma camp in Russia where the police discovered that the Roma woman was not her mother and Alicia was sent to an orphanage where she grows up. She's on the TV program to find her family and makes a tear-filled appeal. Mummy, she says, I've never forgotten you. I would like to meet you and find you. A nurse who lives in Moscow is watching the show and she sees the face of that 20-year-old girl who was looking for her mother who made an appeal because she said she was kidnapped as a child and has no recollection to, of her family. The nurse remembers the story of Denise Pipitoni. She searches on Google for the photos of Piera Maggio, compares them with those of Alicia, and notices the resemblance. She then contacts the Russian TV station to let them know of the similarities with Denise Pipitoni, and the TV show contacts Piera's lawyer, Giacona Frizita. This was also super hard to find the connection between the TV show and how that how that got it was swayed back Played to Italy and, and yeah. back yeah. to Italy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was the best explanation that I could find of it. There was a whole lot of talk of the way it played out in the media between the two countries as well because it's obviously started in TV in Russia and now it makes its way to the news. So Giacona is invited to participate in a follow-up show that will compare the results of a blood type test from Alicia with a blood type of Denise. Cue the media circus. Mm -hmm. So they've literally done this television program where this poor woman is looking for her family and now someone said it could be Denise and so the media just explodes. So is Alicia actually Denise? The question goes all over the news in both Rome and Moscow. Everyone's got an opinion. You know, they've got doctors, journalists, First women, scholars, acrobats, literally everyone is talking about could there be a link between these two. Newspaper headlines announce that the mystery of Denise Pipitoni is resolved and also that she's been found. So it's literally when you go searching for stories, there's, you know, those are the headlines and it's actually, oh, incredible. The mayor of Mazara at the time, Giorgio Macadino, said, our hope is that Alicia is really Denise so we can heal that wound that opened 17 years ago and never closed. I still remember those dark and indelible moments for the entire Mazara community, which marked a deep wound in my heart. So the lawyer Giacono agrees to participate and signs a confidentiality agreement to keep the results a mystery until the TV show airs approximately a week after the first show. It's so weird. 
She also gets agreement from the TV show to share the results with the family before the show airs so as not to blackmail a family who are desperate for answers. And blackmail was a word I saw in one of the stories, but essentially they're trying to protect the family whilst having this thing play out on international TV. It's almost become a bit of a game show. Mm. So Piera, the mum, is not involved in the follow-up show but puts out a statement. We want to stay with our feet on the ground, cautiously hopeful, because past reports have shown us that the illusion leads to nothing. We want to know the truth and await the outcome of the test. So with much fanfare, on the 7th of April 2021, the second show airs and it's revealed that Alicia has a different blood type to Denise Mm. and that she's, in fact, not Denise. I can only imagine how hard that would be for the parents. Yeah. So then in 2022, um, a local mafia boss was jailed. So they've got a a mafia boss from the area who's been in charge for 30-odd years. Mm. He's retired. He goes to jail. And so the family put out a... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they put out a public plea asking him to assist with the case, not because they think he's involved, but because being the mafia boss for that period of time, they reckon that nothing got past him. Uh-huh. So he would have heard any whisperings of yep. what yep. might have happened. To date, he hasn't responded. And so they've got nothing from there. There is a blog that the family is still running called Missing Denise Pipitoni. And it's still updated regularly. Like I I looked at it and there are um, plenty of posts from September this year. So they're still very active trying to find little Denise. And there are things where they say that they think she's still alive. She'd be 23 now, wouldn't she? Yep. Uh, She was born in 2000. Yeah, she would. But, yeah, so, so to date nothing more. So that's the story. So sad. There's, there's nothing more to share. She's lost. That's horrendous. Well, it's like Madeleine McCann, isn't it? And there was a lot. When I when I Googled this, there was a lot about um, similarities between those two. Yeah. Well, I think going back to your point about just the sheer number of children that go missing, we you've heard, we hear of the McCann child. I, I didn't know about this yep. one, but you know, some of them get the publicity and yeah. others just are lost forever. It's so awful and sad. It's terrible. The publicity thing is really interesting because there there was a lot about that too, about why this one was so prevalent and so um, spread across the media, whereas others, I mean, God, there's 20,000 in Australia that go missing every year. Mm. Most Mm. of those, the vast majority never make it. Now, some of them are runaways, some of them are found. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting as to what, what makes it hit the media. What do you think happened, Clarky? Because, again, I, I found it quite hard to, to find the facts that would give you anything. And I, I guess it really is a, a good story of someone who is, is truly missing, you know, they've just vanished. And there's the security guard footage, which seems to be the only evidence and, and the most reliable one which puts Denise with a Romani woman. Romani. And so, uh, yeah, Romani woman. So, so I think that's my best guess at what happened, that she was actually. Yeah, but I was just thinking about it. Like, what, Romanis can't produce their own children to beg? What This idea of literally your children being stolen by gypsies is weird. That was my next question. I don't which, get is it. it just, is it just a stereotypical that sounds racist? racist? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember I have been, you know, I, I've seen a lot of gypsy kids in Italy and, you know, you've always mo- always warned about their their pickpockets and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to steal other people's children yeah. to, like, in an Oliver Twist kind of fashion, these Romany Fagans, it just <coughs> seems bizarre. Far-fetched, really, actually. Yeah, so the... I think, I think the thing is that she likely ended up with them wasn't necessarily taken by them. That would work if she was, in fact, kidnapped by the jealous <laughs> Jessica and, and I kept wanting Anna, Anna Karenina. Yeah. Every time you said her name, I was thinking Anna Karenina, Anna Corona. If she was, in fact, taken by two young women, basically, there's a possibility that they just said, here, mm-hmm. take this kid, we want a gone kind of thing. 
It's just odd. I mean, I'd be more inclined to think she was snatched by the kind of people who took um, probably took Maddie McCann, you know, like horrendous pedophile sex ring type people. And, and that's where you kind of go with it because if it was the Romanies that she ended up with, you would think, like, why did she disappear still, you know? Yeah. Where, where did she go from there? But that bit of footage with the security guard is as concrete as the evidence gets. Mm. And not to say that it's concrete, but that is the, it's the a closest child who looks bit like her. where they go. She's yeah. got the scratch. The yeah. similarities are there. They're calling her Danas instead of Denise. Yeah, it's there's a lot of similarities. Frankly, and I'd so prefer it if it that kind is of with her. You to go, well, at some point that happened. Yeah, you'd kind of hope. You sort of think, well, maybe she's safer, or I don't know. Who knows? And imagine what that does for the parents then who go, well, maybe she is still alive and this is why, you know, 20 years later. It's like the McCanns, they can't give up hope. They're still very active trying to find her. They won't give up hope. They're still searching and they've had years of people, you know, the media talking about them in disparaging terms about how that came about and whether they had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. And they are just people who've lost their beautiful little girl. Is there, it comes back to the the Romanies. Is there a situation whereby that's what they do? So this would be to type as there are clearly traffickers and pedophiles who steal children for, you know, the black market, which is definitely true, trafficking children and, you know, young women and whatever, anybody really. Are these like, I feel very naive. Is that all real stuff that not just in movies? You know, I mean, I know it's just the scale of it. When you're talking about those numbers, I, I, I just can't get my head around that. It's terrifying. So there was, there's certainly, I saw a whole lot of percentages around the breakdown of what the numbers represent. But but again, like I was saying at the start and, and similar to the financials, yeah. I saw things that said very different numbers of children going missing or being reported as missing. And so it's it's hard to work it out. But the percentage who actually go missing as a result of criminal activity is quite low, as in I think one of the statistics I saw said 0.59% or something. So small, but in a, in a country where there's 11,000 kids going missing every day, it's still 55 kids a year. Sorry, 11,000 going missing every year. It's still 50-odd oh. <laughs> kids a year that are going missing as a result of criminal activity, which is huge. I would have thought, I would have had no idea that that number would go missing. Hmm. Um, back to your question, no. There, there is no evidence that Romanis go around stealing people's children. Have you just found that saying Jim Brown gypsies really have done so by at the yeah. same time? No. An age-old folk story. The gypsies are coming. They're coming to steal your horses. That's yeah. what we used to say all the time. But no, but, what, but I think what, what the was question is what? still valid. Not, coming, with the, not your children. You're still, they're coming to steal the, your children. We are the gypsies. We're coming to steal your horses. It's a quote <laughs> from something, I'm sure, but anyway. Oh, I don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> not helping the stereotype. No, but, but I think if you take the Romany part out of it, the reason I was going down the line I was talking about with a, the small number or small percentage that go missing is that I think there is definitely a market for trafficking of children, if you take the Romany bit out of it, there is mo- there is money to be made. And if you're one of those if you're a types of people who are involved child in that. trafficker or sex trafficker, absolutely there's money to be made. Uh, sorry, the reason I laughed as you were talking was because that quote was actually one from the goodies. We are the gypsies coming to steal your horses. Ah, <laughs> and that's just our age group. That, that's why we both knew it. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I'm sure there's money in other people's children, but I and I'm with you in terms of take the gypsies and the Romanies out of it. I think that is probably just buying into an old stereotype. And, you know, there's nothing to say that Romani children aren't trafficked and stolen from Romanis, you know? 100%. But what I'm saying is that if if coincidentally the shit person was a Roma woman who was doing the trafficking, it would explain the security guard piece of evidence. So if Denise was taken and given to somebody to be trafficked who coincidentally happened to be a Roma woman, maybe that did happen. I don't know. It's it's really, really hard because 
there's literally no evidence. She, you know, yeah, she, no one know. saw her getting taken off the street. It just, she just disappeared and that just must be heartbreaking. I think that's when things like this stuff about, you know, the it's easier for people to think that something like that, oh, it's the gypsies. I mean, it's just old tropes, isn't it, really, about yeah. people who are not in a position to, it's easier to say that and it whips up more fear, more distrust of certain people. Yeah, it could have just been a dirty pedo. I'm sure that's much more likely. But imagine what that does for the family too with, you know, Jessica going to court three times. If she wasn't involved. I'm actually interested in that. It it seems to me like they latched on to this idea of, well, there's a motive, therefore you must have done something. You know, it feels almost like the the work and 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 the focus Move from trying to find the child to we've just got to find someone to blame. And so let's make sure that Jessica, Alice, whatever, goes to court on this. There's no evidence, that, you know, the, the child has been kidnapped, but we don't know by whom. And do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's like, oh, well, she's gone, we can't find her, so let's we'll just find someone to string up for it. And Darwin probably picked her up and took her up to Durham train station. It's that easy. <laughs> Pick her up in the car, off she's gone, she's gone. End of Don, story. Don Darwin. And Darwin, yeah. and Darwin, and Don Jarwin. Don Jarwin. Don Jarwin. I mean, that's that, that, you know, because this is sort of, I know, sort of harking back to that last story, but there are crimes that are so ridiculous, like the one that I just covered, right? Where, because they got a bit lucky in a couple of situations yeah. and some just people were quiet. Because they weren't successful, truly, in, you know, being clever or covert about what they were trying to do. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's so obvious it's embarrassing to look back at for anyone who was involved, uh, you know, and, and wasn't able to pick up any of the things like where had her car been, where had they, you know, where was all that? Anyway, so you've got something like that where it's actually all there for you if you want it. But a crime like this, you just don't just know. snatched, and gone. It's just like, yeah. And that's what is so <clears throat> heartbreaking I find about these things where it just goes cold and you don't know which direction or where the, the child's gone. I just... I think, I can't remember what year it was, and I think it might have been just before my eldest son was born as a Madeleine McCann thing happened because it has had such a profound impact. Yeah, well, Alex born in 2007. Yeah. I've had such a profound impact mm. on me that when we travel, and I still do this, I Padlock make sure the that. the children to you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but certainly when we're in any accommodation, we're ever in villas and that, I will always sleep with the kids. I don't, mm. you know, if it's, certainly if it's two stories. I have to be able to be near them and I just, someone has to, when we, well, the kids were younger, we had help and whatever else, everybody had to be slept in the same room and account for wherever we were somewhere I didn't know we were that wasn't our own home. You know, I've got massive phobia about my kids going to public toilets, when, particularly again when we're travelling because it's not often that you're using public toilets when you're at home. I know that sounds weird, but when you're travelling and you're doing things, yeah. you've got especially with three you boys, the there have been so many. Oh, I mean, I must have taken mm. those kids into ladies' toilets so it was way too late. Oh, I had to see everybody. Swanee, this is where we go. 70% of children who go missing in Italy are foreigners, so that's not a yeah. bad thing. But it's things like that where, you know, we were laughing about the day, you know, someone had gone off to the toilet and we said, go and check on your brother, make sure just because, you know, and everyone, oh, you know, and it's like I know it's ridiculous, but it's it's not. If it, you know, I know you're getting a bit old for it, but still, mm. <laughs> your sweet meat. Somebody might want to take you. So, Ooh. it's it has a big impact on parents when you know you yeah. you try and do the right thing, but it, you know, and as much as we do all this kind of stuff, still there'll be situations where it wouldn't if someone wanted to take somebody. They can. There they are plenty would. of other opportunities yeah. where they could where we're not watching or you know certainly yeah. out there. It still happens, and it's oh god, it makes my blood run cold. Schmitty, back to your bit around Jessica and, and that kind of you know, need to prosecute. The only thing that, because I can understand that completely and I see that as well, the only thing I guess that works against that is, again, the, the innuendo of the um, the phone conversations that were tapped. So yeah. there's but, strange but, things going on there. But to tap them in the first place was because they were seeking to find someone to blame. Well, I mean, or, or seeking to solve the crime, and there was evidence of Anna and Jessica behaving inappropriately towards Piera. Probably coming back to to what Swanee was saying that the whole thing is just rumor and misinformation. That's and, right. This, know, it's not actually evidence, and, and it's just a bitch fight, it's a uh, scrag fight. Correct. And this poor child has either been 
a victim of the circumstances of that scrag fight or not even related to it, you know, like just taken by some weirdo stranger. Part of what I was trying to say at the start is the impact of this on the family and the people around the child too. I mean, obviously it's terrible for what's happened to Denise, but the way this has played out with the family and I don't know, it's... Well, it's impossible to... Well, very difficult to sentence it to because we don't know who it is. But I'm just going to – so I'm just going to do a generic kind of sentence to pedophile sex trafficking assholes that they can all just burn. How would they burn? What's the well, – you know, is it just like in a big pie or is it a slow roasting bit. over coals? Well, it's not just a little bit of sunburn, I can tell you that. It's not just a, a light, you know, <laughs> okay. bit of UV exposure. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Something that's maybe stake them out. I was just thinking about the sun. Maybe stake them out and have a big mag. Uh, what do you call it? A magnifying glass, and they can be burnt like ants. With you know, you you use the magnifying glass to really pinpoint the sun. Ah, and yeah, yeah. Stake these I horrible, recall those days. Nasty individuals that should frankly not exist. Just be I don't burned. think we ever get enough sort of visuals on who these people are. It's funny because just yesterday, oh, the other no. day when I was thinking about what crime I wanted to cover next, because we had been talking about this with the kids because we were travelling last week, it was the first thing that came to mind. And I, I always struggle a little bit with these crimes because I don't, it's, it's difficult, right, to talk because about crimes is. when it involves children in particular. Yeah. Well, we often yeah. say that. So I thought, oh, you um, know, no, uh-huh. I, 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 I won't go and look at that because I'm sure there's a plethora of them there. But, you know, there's so many other people that are, you know, we have a, a clear vision of that's what type of criminal that person is, that, that, that's who that is. And I often say to the kids, you know, apparently with pedophiles more often than not, it's people that are in plain sight. You know, it's not always the people who are the bad guys who, you know, uh-huh. it's going to look like this or whatever else. Well, no, because they groom generally. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. right. So I, I do feel like we need more the public face of pedophilia, you know, who is it? I want to see more, you know, because but we don't often get that's the difficulty, right, because it could just look like Uncle Blah Blah and, you know, and, and then and then you're in danger of everyone looking at everyone, thinking everyone's a pedophile. Yes, but there was an example last, maybe this year, certainly it was last year, it wasn't long ago, where, you know, on the news they show all these homes being raided in Australia. And, you know, it's all like. People, you know, covered up, you can't tell who it was. And then, then I don't hear about what that happens afterwards. Oh, you know, it was an international effort to find what these people were doing online. And then nothing. And then silence, yeah. Yes. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's like, well, what mm. happened? I mean, it's, you really, what happened? it's so, true. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the thing. It feels mm. like I hear this stuff. Oh, we've, we found this with the help of people from the US and this, and we've located this on Australia doing that. Okay. So those people, we never get names, we never see pictures of who these are, nothing really. And then nothing. If you look up www.communityprotection.wa.gov.au, you can actually do a local area search of the registered sex offenders in your area, which includes photographs. There you go. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. What was it again? <laughs> www.communityprotection.wa.gov.au. <laughs> <laughs> There you are. How did you? What did you search? I looked up. I feel like it's a clown in my area. reference it's again. Not, I looked up. Yeah, sex offenders uh, register in my area. Yeah. I don't know if there's one in Melbourne, but there's certainly one in WA. There you go. Wow, let's have a look. Clarky, any kind of sentence for anyone? Oh, uh, see, for me, the the Russian TV show. <laughs> I I just can't come at that. <laughs> I, you know that that whole thing of let's do a follow up episode to. Yeah make this result I was found is disappointed just in that awful. story because I was hoping that some connection to Natalia the dwarf child from our child or Chucky episode was going to happen. <laughs> and I was, I was like, oh, that fizzled out. That didn't go where I was hoping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a shame, yeah. Can't come at that. Yeah, no, can't come at that. Imagine imagine being at TV um, a producer and going, you know what, there's a potential that this child is um, that missing child. What we need to do is have a follow-up episode. Do it privately. We can't just go. Can't just do it privately. Let's That's manage right. this we discreetly. Do... Yeah. No, Jer- we've got to make money out name? of it. Jeremy Kyle? Was that Jeremy Kyle? Yeah, you know, I like think so. That yeah. kind of, you know, shock TV, just, ugh, disgusting. Yeah. No, okay, fair enough. Yeah, what are you going to do to them then? 
Yeah, I don't really know, to be honest. Um, there's, a, there's a complete lack of empathy from them towards... Family. And anyone impacted family. by it, yeah. Right, exactly. Even Just, the girl herself. Mm, I don't know, it needs to be... Swanee, what would you do to someone who lacked empathy? You know, there would have been a way to handle that if they were genuinely thinking it might be the case and if it was, you know, the right authorities were involved, it would have been done not on TV. You know, they might have filmed it with the idea of it perhaps being shared in documentary style if it mm. would come together, but not to do it like that kind of, like a game show kind of, what a surprise, big reveal, you know, that's Ta-da! Tacky, yeah. very tacky. Yeah. Mm. So what would you do to them? I don't know what I would do to them, to be honest. I just shouldn't have happened. I think, you know, mm. soothe them. I know that's not particularly trial by wine. Could it be a, a game show called I'm a shit TV producer? Get me out of here. Get me out of yeah. here. Or, no, no, I probably would. I would think or punish me. Suing and, them and put them out of And they get room. just random people to come like and listing them so they can't punish do what them. they do. You know, it should be a violation of, I don't know what a violation of, though. People have agreed to do it because they want to do it. It's tricky. No. I don't think it's right, but not having it. You're not having it. No, I'm putting them on Naked and Afraid Excel yeah. <laughs> and they've got to do 40 days and 40 nights in the Siberian wilderness <laughs> naked and afraid. There you go. That's what I'd do to them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I like it. Let's go with that, a yeah, collective that's sentence. That's what I'd do to them. And maybe I'll do that to all the nasty pedophiles and nasty maybe people Maybe we could just put too. them on a, like a reality TV program and make them produce that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> As a punishment. Yeah. All right. Well, that was, a, you know, a frustrating and mm. disturbing disturbing again. and sad case and I just hope that little Denise mm. is alive and well somewhere in the world and eventually is reconnected with her family. It's very sad. Yep. So sad. Mm. I mean, imagine being the grandmother, the auntie, all the people that last time to see I just You destroyed so many lives. She was only four. Oh, yeah, that whole all thing of that. is just... Yeah. Just oh, tragic, yeah. yeah. So thanks for nothing, Clarky. Uh, yeah. Enjoy your time in Buenos Aires, and we <laughs> will, I think, see you when you are in Santiago. Where in the world is Carmen Santiago in a few weeks' time? So, <laughs> go for our listeners. It will feel like that time was very fast. As we yes. say every week, <laughs> miss you already. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Ciao, darling. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine, or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com, to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.